This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 449 being recorded on uh-oh, May 10th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walroth. I'm Maury Tattleman. And I'm Alan Mabletano. So while well, last week we had like nobody here, and also you can, like Ken is back here. Oh, hey. Ken is back here. Alex is still here. Uh, but it was Ken, you weren't here last week. No. I wasn't here last week. Alan wasn't here last week. Josh and I were the okay. only two responsible adults. <laughs> <laughs> and my throat was so dry at the end of it. It was just insane. I bet you just so, did all kinds of speaking. And something stuff. like that. Something yeah. like that. And I didn't even know what I was talking about, but it didn't matter. No, see, you got to get good at the art of bullshitting. Yeah, Apple I'm trying to think gab. of like a, a more like positive way of saying that, where you know, it's not really fake it till you make it. Because I don't know, whatever, just get better at extemporaneous it, speaking on matters you know very little of. Correct, right, right, sure, big words. Also big known words as being a professional politician. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot that goes into that. I guess I should now make my announcements. I'm running for FBI director. Starting today, <laughs> I've been approached. Uh, all right, so let's just jump into the show. Um, we uh, record the show on Wednesday nights. If you're watching us live, uh-oh, oh no, uh-oh. no, oh no, switch, no. switch to something else. What happened? We just lost it on me. Switch to the I didn't do well, it. computer. What did? What did? No, While you fix it, I would like no. to give Ericon in the chat Oops. the award. He said stuff will break within twenty to twenty-five minutes. Uh, one minute ago, so you know. It's pretty good. Uh, we record the show on Wednesday nights. If you're watching us live, you already know that. Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. If you need a reminder, we have a little notifications list you can sign up for. If you go to pcpro.com slash subscribe, you get this page here, uh, which basically asks for your name and your email address. Let me zoom in one more time there for you. Uh, your name and your email address. Uh, and all we do is is thus send you a notification whenever we're about to do a live event of some kind. Most of the time it's podcasts. Every once in a while we have somebody from AMD or NVIDIA in. Um, and uh, we give away prizes and stuff on those types of streams. So it's worth it's worth paying attention to. Uh, what else we have? Oh, we also have our continuing uh, Patreon campaign ongoing as well. Um, so this is this is a uh, a more interesting discussion now because this is your ability to uh, directly contribute on a recurring monthly basis to PC Perspective to our podcast to our writers to uh, the content you see audio video text form all that type of stuff. Um, if you remember, la- I guess it was April tenth or eleventh when the Ryzen five review came out. Yep, we disabled anonymous comments. Yep. Um, I, w- I am surprised, unpleasantly surprised, by the number of page views that apparently dirtbag commenters were responsible for <laughs> in an anonymous fashion. Okay? All right. Uh, just one month as a sample. Right now I'm still – I'm watching it closely. But I will say uh, that it 
was a surprisingly uh, robust amount of anonymous bullshitters. Well, good riddance. But I, I, I totally agree. I'm not going back on it. But I will say that for those of you who enjoy the new cleaner, safer, uh, uh, more adult most of the time, more adult uh, website now and comments section. It might be uh, a good opportunity for you to say, hey, hey, uh, thanks. And in order to pay partially for the idiots that were here before, uh, you know, patreon.com slash PCPer is a location for you to do that. And if you do contribute or increase your contribution, uh, I will obviously, as I always do most of the time when I'm here, uh, read your name off during the live stream. So we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, that are patrons to uh, the amazing work that we do here on the uh, PC Perspective podcast. Oh, unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing stuff. So we've got a handful of things we're going to run through here at the beginning. We are kind of burying the lead. If you look at the rundown to the left, you'll see the NVIDIA Tesla uh, V100 kind of hiding down there, just just a little shy, just over the edge of the uh, of the break. Um, we're going to get to that with a handful of other news items. But first, I wanted to run through some review items, right? And we can go through these pretty quick. we got more on here to talk about a couple of them as well. Uh, Lee posted a review of the Zalman mm, model numbers. Acrux? You're going to pronounce it Acrux? A-C-R-U-X? Is that like, how we're going? Sounds like Acrux. The Acrux 1000 Platinum Power Supply. There, now you can see it uh, spelled out. It's an 80-plus Platinum Fully Modular Power Supply available in 750, 850, 1000, 1200-watt uh, units. I often lament the fact... I think... When we do these types of reviews, most people would rather us have the lower capacity power supplies, I think, and they always want to send us the highest available. I think only Seasonic responds to our request of, well, just send them all then. <laughs> I mean, you kind of don't need a 1,000-watt power supply anymore. It's, it's, it's hard to argue. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to find a, a scenario where you need a 1,000 watts. You know, with like once NVIDIA kind of limited SLI to two cards, unless you're doing like benchmarking and stuff. Yeah. AMD, you know, still supports more than two, but it's 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 a smaller market. Uh, yeah, and especially you know the most recent GPUs they have are 400 series and 500s, you know, 580s and whatnot. Anyway, uh, the Zalman power supply, they they this is a company that's been around forever. They're relatively new in the power supply field, um, but man, I can remember having enforced motherboards using Zalman coolers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that'll take you back. 80, like I said, 80-plus platinum, 140-millimeter cooling fan on this guy, seven-year warranty, which is nice, and $199 for the platinum 1,000-watt. Uh, uh, 199 Yes, it's, it is. It is 199 Josh. Nice. Rated at 1,000 watts at 40C. Uh, and, of course, we check the 12-volt amperage rating of 83 amps. Is that enough, Alan? Uh, you still so. have never oh, yeah. done the welding with the power Yeah, I don't supply. know you can weld with 83. I'm sure you can. Small enough on Be a little under. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> My sound coming across low? Looks low on that. No, it's low. No. Maybe you should just and besides, it. it's a platinum-rated welder, so you're saving energy, too. <laughs> right, yeah, it's yeah. very efficient. It's a arc welder for a power supply. Yeah, it's efficiently welded. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. We're, let's see. I want to take a look at the inside. I always like to see the inside of the power supply. This is where you can really judge the merit of a power you supply. You like big caps, and you cannot lie. Correct. Ooh, do, no ooh, other power supplies can deny. Two big caps right next to each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at how tall on. they are, too. That's and amazing. they've had a little baby coil. That's always good sign. 
Uh, so that is, let's see, let me just jump to the end here. It, it, th- we have a lot of these power supply reviews actually queued up from Lee. He was going on vacation for a few weeks as he does out to the, out to the Northwest. Uh, this is part of the whole family, the Acrux series, um, 199 bucks. Only weakness he found was the, the modular six pin peripheral cable could accidentally be plugged into the eight-pin EPS connector. Well, that's, that's a weakness. That's, a that's quite a weakness. <laughs> that's a yeah. problem. It makes for an exciting time. Now, hey, to be fair, they are different colors. Don't 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 make those connections wait, the same. Don't I mean, do if that. The, well, I think you're not supposed to. I mean, it's but if, if you don't have an LED motherboard, this will help you light it up. Do, do, is it just like the plus twelve and ground? It'll is light up all? once. That's for sure. Yeah. As long it as the plus twelve and the grounds are in the same place on both, then I guess you're okay. But you know. Yeah. Otherwise. It's very expensive, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> it does get a gold award. And I don't think the seven-year warranty covers that bit. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think so either. Yeah. Well, that would be your motherboard. Warranty. Yeah, the power supply would be fine. The motherboard yeah. would be done. Just <laughs> true. Yeah. The CPU would be done. The GPU would be done. All yeah. drives. Yep. It sounds like a bad day. Sounds like a bad day. Uh, so that's the Zolman Acrux Series 1000-watt review. That's on the site today if you want to check that out from Lee. Uh, next, we're going to talk with Maury about the AlphaCool. What is with these model names? Nexus. Nexus. How are you going to pronounce that, Maury? Nexus. That's it? Nexus. Why do they need three Xs? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's German. It's German. It's, I have no idea. It's more fun. It, it, yep. It's German and it has liquids. Mm, yeah, yeah um, this X, is actually it. their older or their uh, previous generation kit. Um, they before they released the Ice Block, Ice Bear brand or whatever they're calling it, Ice something. Um, so what this this comes this full kit comes with coolant comes with a uh, 50 millimeter rad, 360 by 50 millimeter, so it's extra thick. Jeez, yeah. their UT brand rad. Um, it comes with their what is that? Name uh, the XP. Uh, oh, there is XP3 light CPU cooler. Not XP cubed uh, or anything. Just XP3. Oh well, XP cubed. Yeah. No, I'm going to say three. Let's just say three. All right. Um, comes with a uh, reservoir and and yeah, the reservoir is a uh, double five. five and a quarter. Yeah, it's a double five and a quarter. It's all plexiglass. It has a removable back and a removable front, uh, but it's it it doesn't. Um, it doesn't affect the integrity. The removable back is just for the channels for the actual pump because the pump channels are built into the back of the reservoir. Mm. The pump actually is locked into the back of the reservoir with a locking ring that screws in. Mm. Um, okay. it, it's From appearances, it's a very nice kit. One thing you will notice that kind of starts to question, give you, starts to generate questions is the strength of the pump. The D5 pump Normally, D5 pumps are about 1,200 uh, liters per hour. That's a rating. And uh, this one was rated at 350 liters per hour, which is... That's a lot lower. Very, yeah, that's... Yeah. It's it just it's a weak pump. Um, coupled that with the included tubing, the tubing was 3 eighths inch inner diameter by uh, one half inch outer diameter, and the extra thick radiator, which uh, the thicker the radiator... The, um, the 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 more the, the higher flow you're going to need out of your pump to push the water through because you're actually pushing physically more fluid through those restricted sure. channels in the uh, in the radiator. It its performance kind of suffered because of that. Uh, if we'll come back to, I have some things I want to talk about in the 
deconstructed. But if you go to the second to last page, the comparison testing page, mm-hmm. you can actually see. Um, I hope I basically tested this block and the ice block against. Um, or the block included with this kit, sorry, and the ice 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 block. Uh, CPU water block with the uh, with the setup I have on my test bench as well as this kit. Um, as stock settings, you can see bo- uh, you know both of them compared across the block pretty good uh, across the across board, the board. Good. Yeah. Yes, but when you actually hooked up the kits and you started overclocking, which overclocking I'd take my fifty nine sixty to four point five gigahertz. It wouldn't even run stable with the X, uh, XP squared light block. The ice block ran, but it but it's you know, its uh, temperatures were fairly high, and, and even that one was not stable. And that um, that ice block block is is a is a top rated block. I mean, the, the, X, the XP XP uh, squared light isn't a bad block. It's not quite high end. The ice block is actually a better performing block, but it just wouldn't. It, it, the system just wouldn't stabilize. When I hooked it up with the XPC photon kit, which is what I run by default on my test bench, both blocks ran fine. Um, I provided the even though the ice block was unstable with the Nexus kit, I included those numbers from the uh, most stable run I had just for comparison's sake. Um, you can see there is about a three to four C difference, uh, and that's mainly because of the uh, what the pump the pump strength, and actually the, you know the, the stability issues themselves are because of the pump strength as well. Um, you know, just kind of colluded. To make a, you know, a perfect storm of sorts gotcha. with that. Uh, <clears throat> if you go back to the deconstruct, uh, the deconstructed page, yep. I just wanted to kind of point out the internals of the water block. Because the water block itself, the the internal um, structure is is kind of unique. It actually has uh, that that picture right there. You're seeing it has a, a kind of a modified jet impingement plate design, where it's not a true jet impingement plate. Because a true jet impingement plate is just a single channel that the water is pushed through. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is kind of two H's, so it's a modified design. If you scroll down a little more, you can actually see the like design hard. of the block. It's yeah. it's basically a combination between a pin matrix and a microchannel design, where it's uh, squirts the water into the pin matrix and then it forces it out through the microchannels on the side. So mm-hmm. it is it, it's a decent design. I mean, it should perform well, you know, with. The stronger pump, it does perform well. I mean, it still doesn't perform as well as the ice block, which is a pure jet impingement, but it performs okay. It's just the pump in this kit just kills it. And and actually, those pictures down there, you can actually see that black ring is the pump locking ring. Right. It actually unscrews, and there's a uh, O-ring there, and you can see the screws and all, and the pump just kind of – the ring goes over the pump and just locks it in place. And that's, you can see the channels and all that there, too. Does it, does it, so, does I mean, the, does, is that a common thing in those water cooling kits, the kind of uh, pump locking into the reservoir? Uh, yeah, sometimes it depends. Um, I know on the XPC kit, it actually screwed in. Sometimes they use a lot. Most of them, yes, do use a locking ring. But this is kind of a uh, – this screw-in design is um, – is more unique than I've seen. Is is a unique design more than I've seen before. Usually, I see the uh, screw-in type, where it's, the locking ring actually screws into the base of the reservoir. Like an XPC, it's a it's a tube type reservoir, and it actually screws into the bottom of it. Gotcha. Um, now, the one negative about this is they say that because the uh, the pump is actually forced to basically um, pump the water out in a 180. It sucks it in through the through the reservoir and then and then spits it out at a 90 and then has to do another 90 going out. 
that actually will cause more restriction on the water flow as well. So you have a weaker pump that's getting restricted, restricted right as it's coming out. Again, leads to this degradation in performance. And, and actually, a, a couple of the other reviews online uh, you know, kind of agreed with me on that. So okay. um, it is an expensive kit because this, this is a high-end kit. You know, I mean, all the components and all are fairly high-end. So it's up there at $350. Well, we wouldn't recommend um, it in its current configuration, at least. No, no. I mean, with a thinner with a thinner radiator, it probably would do better. I didn't have one on hand I could test it with, um, but yeah, and it's it, with the thicker radiator, with the weak pump, it definitely is mm. not a just mm. doesn't work. And I even tried it with I even it only comes with three fans. I tried it in a push pull configuration with six fans, and it still did not improve <laughs> the performance or stability of it. So yeah, clearly indicating that the pump is the bottleneck, not the yeah. airflow. Yeah, All right. exactly. All right, so. good review there. Uh, the next part we're going to talk about also with our buddy Mori here. We can talk about this one pretty quickly as well. The Asus Prime Z270A motherboard. Um, the Cavi Lake train rolls on. Uh, Prime is kind of – is Prime well, – we consider the Prime brand from Asus the like the entry-level point at this point, or did it replace something else? That replaced their channel brand. Prime so did. their okay. old channel brand was, you know, this is basically the base model of their channel brand. The uh, the flagship of their channel brand would be the deluxe board. So think of this as kind of the base model of the, of the deluxe is the enhanced version of this board. Um, but like all Asus boards, they do not skimp on components on the base boards. You know, it still has the, um, I believe it has the, uh, the 10 channels, which is A plus 2. Um, no, not channels. Sorry, eight plus two phases on mm-hmm. their digital um, their, their VRMs. Mm-hmm. Um, it still has you know all the RGB goodness with it. Um, it's got the Intel NIC. Um, I, I I mean it's it's know. hard to look at this board and especially like this diagram here where it shows all the the features and stuff and and see it as like the entry level stuff anymore. Uh, I mean you've got your M.2 support. You got USB three point one. Uh, type A and Type C, uh, gigabit Optane networking. Support. Yeah, I mean it, it's and, and it's it does been have like the this dual, for a while. Does, but. Yeah, and it does have the dual M.2 support. It's actually got the two slots: one by the CPU and plus, one in between PCIe slot two and three. Plus, it illuminates in the corner down here. Yes, yep. I mean that's that's very important. That's how you know you're yeah. in prime. Um, right. uh, go ahead. The onboard audio it comes with Crystal Sound. The onboard audio for the Asus stuff. Now, unless you're a you know, a big-time audio file, uh, you know, the onboard audio has come a long way, and that is usually good enough for most things. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a decent board. Overclocking-wise, We uh, well, just like all the other Asus boards, it has the auto-overclocking to, to 5 gigahertz with, uh, that you can easily should be able to get with a 6600 or 6700K. Or, sorry, sorry, wrong Wrong generation. 70, I mean, you yes, could use those parts. Or, yeah, 7600 or 7700K. It should, should be able to overclock to 5 gigahertz, no problem. You might, you'll need either a screaming air cooler or a <laughs> semi-high-end water cooler. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't recommend an air cooler if you're going to go to 5 on these. Um, yeah. But but we were able. I was able to get the CPU running at 5.1 gigahertz with a 4.8 gigahertz ring bus. And the memory, the four, the 4K memory that I had ran at 3866. Um, it wouldn't run 4K, but I haven't seen an Asus board that will run the memory at 4K. 
Um, it seems to be a limit on the ASUS side, probably something that could be fixed in the UEFI eventually. Um, but, I mean, 4K memory is expensive as crap, so most people aren't going to be running that anyway. Right. right. Um, you can see the RGB here. They have the RGB header, like most boards. Um, I think you can put you probably put like two or three strands in series because those don't suck much power at all. So I just showed the one strand I have, but... And they sync with the board lights. You can kind of see where the... Maury, don't lie to light. us. You have those all over your room, all powered by different motherboards, running different <laughs> software configurations. We get it. It's no, fine. They're all in sync, man. They're all... all oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the, the, stri- the strip-down of this board really comes to, you know, the bells and whistles that are offered. It only has the... Um, the base, M- the dual M.2s and the six SATA ports. It's only got the one NIC... Um, these don't sound got, like bad negatives to me. I'm going to be very oh, honest. No, no, these right? aren't these you know, aren't bad that, negatives. That's, but that's just how they that's how they keep the cost down. It's but yeah, no. This board is this board is a great board. I mean, I wouldn't have any issue recommending this. To it's anyone. 150 I mean, bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's the base price. You can find them on sale too. I know they've been running. I've seen sales on the MSI boards. I'm sure they're running the uh, sales on ASUS boards as well. Yeah. So. Gold um, Award from Maury. Uh, there is a comment down here that we're going to highlight, I guess, that Alan pointed out. It says, what happens? Oh, uh, you can't see it on the screen. What in the hell is going on with this crop? Oh, it's oh, yeah. cropping the bottom. Yeah, it's what is the deal bottom. here? we got to fix that. Somebody's some script took, like, the question is, like, what happens when M.2 SSDs are stacked was the first question. And what happens when two M.2 SSDs are stacked? A simple, healthy meal planning website with recipes that are five ingredients or less. <laughs> and it has a URL. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're still getting registered spam bots. Hey, well, at least they have to work harder I, to I, do it. Yeah, right? exactly. I will don't kill go him to off that meal that. website, would be my guess. Yeah, I, I don't understand why someone put that question in there because the only stacked M.2s are even. Um, it's a spammer, uh, it's fine. No, no, no. They, they repeated the line from a previous person that asked the Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They copy and paste from either the article or for the, from the comments. That's yep. pretty yeah. good thinking. It's Good yeah. job, spammers. Yeah, nice no, job, I'm spammers. impressed by the spam I'm impressed. Box, really. I'm impressed. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's a review of uh, the Asus Prime Z270A motherboard. Check that out if you would like to. And then finally, before we get into our, our quick break here, we're going to talk about Sebastian's review of the Fractal Design Celsius S24 uh, liquid cooler. Um, this, I guess, actually just launched today. It's a new product from them. Um, they, they kind of entered the market in 2014 with the product called the Kelvin, uh, and now they have the Celsius, which I guess... I get it. You get it? Next, no. next will be what? Fahrenheit? Rankin. I mean, no, Fahrenheit. the Kelvin. Rankin. No, Kelvin was the one they came the, out the with in 451. Mm. Maybe Fahrenheit, yeah. Mm. It doesn't have quite the same ring to it, but... Who would buy oh, anything sure. named Fahrenheit? This is a 240mm all-in-one. unread heathen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, standard 240mm all-in-one CPU cooler. Uh, key differentiators here. Um, the flexible rubber, rubber hoses, metal fittings... Um, you can see Sebastian's fancy photography work here. Uh, has so both do you an just auto. Uh, twist that twist the casing to auto or PWN? Uh, yeah, there's like a little dial there. That looks cool. This is a controlled. It, this is controlled via a clever switch built into the rim ring around the pump. A dual the mode rim setting. Ring. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. God, you guys! You twist it. 
<sighs> then it squirts. You, you twist it enough times, and eventually it squirts. Yes, it will squirt. It's got two huge fans. Yep, these are words. These and are it's words. got some long tubing too. Uh, design installation uh, are, are pretty straightforward here. Uh, it's got a fan controller kind of attached, built to the uh, radiator or to the uh, yeah to the radiator, which is actually kind of interesting. Um, the fractals they have good quiet high efficiency fans as well integrated here um the performance wise according to sebastian's testing has it um you know reasonable just the auto behind. isn't so good the auto is not as good yeah and i guess not, that not as makes good sense. when he said it yeah yeah well, he sort of described it as it would be awesome if they had silent, or like two different settings for the auto. A silent where it was very, very slow, but very, very quiet, which is what he saw. And then sort of a higher ranked auto, so you don't have to screw around with PWM, that would give him a bit better performance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for a radiator of that thickness anyway, uh, you shouldn't need to run the fans more than... About you know nine hundred somewhere between six hundred and a thousand or maybe twelve hundred RPM uh, because I mean that's you don't need a lot of airflow through a thinner radiator as long as it's getting through because um, yeah they're, they're especially two eighty they're fairly efficient and that's a dual pass yeah. so it seems yeah. like a, a a reasonable inclusion to the market right like the Corsair H one hundred I GTX which is a little bit I think that's I think that's the older branding of the V2, the H100 V2 that's out there. Um, but it performs a little bit better across the board, but it doesn't, you know, it's it's still doing as intended, I guess, uh, based on Sebastian's results. And the noise levels are, well, okay, comparatively, the noise levels are maybe just one and a half dBA uh, lower than uh, what we saw with, uh, with the H100i GTX. So interesting look there. So if you are in the market for a new self-contained water cooler, you can check it out. did get a silver award from Sebastian uh, with solid construction, very quiet operation, the potential for very high performance after some quick fan speed adjustments. The Fractal Design Celsius S24 is a flexible option in the crowded all-in-one CPU cooler space. And it is indeed a crowded, a crowded space. All right, uh, let's quickly thank today's podcast sponsor. That would be our good friends at Casper. Casper, the online retailer of premium mattresses at a fraction of the cost. Uh, These guys uh, revolutionized the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to the consumer. Uh, This is what you see happening basically everywhere in every market possible uh, in the the world, I guess. Uh, And Casper is one of the leaders in the mattress space for that uh, casper's mattresses are obsessively engineered very fair price they're made of supported memory foams for a sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and bounce plus it's breathable design helps cool you to keep uh, i'm sorry keep sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night i assume no matter what you're doing through the night dreaming of us or on the mattress something to that effect you know the uh, only problem with this with this direct to you pro- thing is. Oh no, Josh! What I don't know what it feels like <laughs> when you know I go to the showroom. I I get my 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 thing of peanut butter and I spread it around and roll in it. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't see what that's like. 
I mean, you, you can. Actually, Josh, you can do that. You can. Because uh, you can buy Caspers easily online. It's completely risk-free. You can try sleeping on a Casper mattress or whatever else on a Casper mattress. Uh, and they understand the importance of really trying out that mattress before committing to buying. That's why they give you a 100-day period uh, for free delivery and painless returns within that 100-day period. And did you know, Josh, that statistically that's, speaking... That's, that's a lot of jars of peanut butter. <laughs> statistically speaking, lying on a bed in a showroom with peanut butter has no correlation to whether or not it is the right bed for you. <laughs> Josh, peanut butter. red. <laughs> Uh, all of Casper's mattresses are made in the USA. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. You can save an additional $50 towards a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash PCPer and entering their promo code PCPer. That's casper.com slash PCPer, promo code PCPer. Terms and conditions apply. And we thank Casper for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. So uh, with the peanut butter discussion out of the way, it's time to talk about the real news. Uh NVIDIA's GTC conference started today, GPU Technology Conference. Remember when they tried to make that um, vendor agnostic? And they were like, oh, no, this is for any GPU manufacturer to come into this expo. And, sure. Yeah, nobody was ever going to do that. Um, so the, Jensen, CEO, came on stage today to talk about uh, a whole lot of artificial intelligence, a whole lot of uh, deep neural networks and uh, computer-aided machine push, learning, more and more. robots, and virtualized robot compute spaces, and a whole bunch it, of stuff. What was it, CES? What was what? the last thing we went to? Where uh, Everything they've done in the last four years. Well, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us more keen to focus in on the hardware side, they did announced something that was pretty cool, right? So they announced the Tesla V100, which is a not a graphics card. I've always got to correct myself when I say this. It's an accelerator module. I think is the correct term. It's it's basically uh, uh, what's the interface it has, Ken, on these modules? Is it um, NVLink? I think it's NV, yeah NVLink to the system. Yeah. Through it doesn't that. have a video out. It's yeah. I mean, it's a mod. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a picture yeah. of it right here. This is this is what it looks like, right? It's a module with memory. Uh, it's it's HBM2, so the memory and the and the uh, scroll, GPU. Runs. Scroll up to the uh, to the yeah. It's getting to the point where the block diagram. It's looks like very, a dying picture. It's yeah. It's very hard to see like any kind of detail in there. You're yeah. gonna need like it's definitely you know, gonna get worse. It, yeah. yeah. So um, the the They're Tesla just gonna show a picture of a brick wall. <laughs> Nobody will know. A very large brick wall photograph from very far away where you can't so tell the bricks. The Tesla V100 is the name of the product. The GPU is GV100. Um, this implementation of it, and I think there was a commenter saying that it wasn't the full implementation of it. I didn't catch that part of it, but that, by math, that sounds right. Um, this has 5,120 GPU cores. Compare that to the GTX 1080 Ti that has 3,584. She's talking about a 42% increase in core count. It's a pretty big jump. Uh, now, the, the boost clock is at 1455, which is about 100 and something megahertz lower than the 1080 Ti, but only 20 megahertz slower than the Titan X Pascal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 320 texture units, uh, 16 gigs of HBM2 memory running at 900 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. Which, if you compare that relative, the 1080 Ti has just over half of that, 484 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. And um, the uh, Fiji base parts were 512 gigabytes. The rumor has been that um, AMD was going to have a giga- or a terabyte per second bandwidth option with Vega. Mm-hmm. But now we're starting to hear rumors that maybe they weren't able to get HBM2 as fast 
as early. So it may be something closer to the 900 or maybe a little bit lower. Um, this module has a 300 watt TDP. It's rated at 15 teraflops, single precision compute. That's up um, from like what? So the 1080 Ti is 10.6. All right. Right. But I will say there are people in the comments that are correctly pointing out that if you look at the new Titan XP, uh-huh. right, which was Pascal. released after yeah. the 1080 Ti, yep. it's more CUDA cores. It's more than the than the 10. It's more that it's uh, more uh, than the 1080 Ti. It's 3840. Yeah. Right. Instead of 3584. And if you overclock it to you know 1.9 or something like that which people have been able to do i don't know how reliable it is sure you actually get close to that 15 teraflops number already today okay so interesting to think about it that way look at the transistor count on that though 21.1 billion billion <laughs> transistors insane. with a i don't have i didn't put it in i didn't put it on the table 12 nanometers uh and it is an 815 millimeter squared die which is so crazy. 12 nanometers asterisk. I do like, I was proud of my MSRP that I put in the table where it just says LOL. Should, shouldn't, lol. Lol. shouldn't that not even be possible? So like, Jensen said on stage that it is the physically largest chip you can make on today's technology. He says if you have an Apple Watch on your wrist, it, the die is about the size of the face of the watch. <laughs> right? And so when you look at it, and it's like, oh, you can actually see the die, you know. Uh huh. You can't really see it on the screen, but what's pretty big? He's got the he's got the upper camera. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, big. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people have. You know, it's been said in kind of a rule of thumb that uh, anything over six hundred millimeter square is you're hitting some real interesting reticle limits, and that's kind of true. But IBM has been doing larger chips than that and selling them for a mint because. You can only get 50 or 60 of these per wafer, and it costs anywhere from 10000 to 24000 bucks per wafer to run that through. And with the larger dies like this, they can, they can put some more redundant uh, uh, areas in there so that you, know, you can fuse stuff off, uh, still keep the core counts, still keep some of your, your bins and yields and, and improve upon that. But, uh, yeah, 800 is, is – that's, that's IBM really crazy chip size i mean and yeah i'll be curious what they actually charge for these because it's going to be probably ten thousand bucks a chip i i mean could you just have a yield of one <laughs> per wafer, <laughs> like a wafer you just make the wafer the, the one in the middle just... is the one that's going to work right and you I just kind of i forget the yeah. comment he made about yield oh he made a comment during it about yield. Something. i don't remember it was wow yeah, because I've I've got a nice little calculator, and you know as, as die size increase the is it TI. No, oh. it's it's just an Excel sheet that I downloaded <laughs> ages ago, and um, so the larger the die you have, dies. yeah, the greater percentage of of defects are going to fall into that, and so you've got <laughs> X amount of defects per wave that you're going to see, and of course, if you have fewer dies, more dies are going to have multiple defects, but again. Mm-hmm. This is where the redundancy, um, you know, a not fully um, activated chip. You got parts fused off because they're they're not working. Um, I would say their yields are probably on a really good day, fifty percent. So twenty on this to part, five good chips. I bet it's less than that. Well, I mean, considering that they yeah. can fuse off cores. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean they've you, only announced you, one SKU where they're where they're, well, they're only fusing off one SM essentially. Right, I think is the math. But 
Huh. I mean, and they may offer lower performance options that are, you know, different performance. And again, you know, as I kind of comment at the end of the story, it's like this really tells us nothing about what the consumer variant is going to be. Because remember, the GP100 part was an HBM2 GPU um, that, you know, when the GTX 1080 Ti came out, or the 1080 and then the 1080 Ti and still the Titan X, Titan XP, um, they weren't even based on the same part. They're using GDDR5 memory uh gddr5 x memory um same gpu core and implementation uh but i mean if you look at some of the 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 specs like um uh, that i wrote up in here they have so there's this is a double precision ready part it has 64 single precision cores and 32 in each sm so it's running at half rate double precision whereas a consumer part is like what 132nd i think yeah Double precision. It's some insane for the last two generations. Of, uh, yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing that they announced uh, with this part is the implementation of a tensor, a tensor core, into the GPU itself. Um, tensor cores are uh, is, mm, so the tensor programming language was created by Google to kind of uh, accelerate the machine learning direction of compute. Right, so if you go to I forget what's the name of the website here. It's uh, TensorFlow.org. Um, that will tell you a little bit about the open source API that's supposed to accelerate very specific machine learning uh, uh, algorithms. And Google actually built a Tensor specific processor, the TPU Tensor Processing Unit, that they use in some of their own custom hardware for you know uh, machine learning inference whatever it is they're going to do right so what nvidia did is they basically put um i think 640 yeah 640 of their iteration of a tensor core onto this volta die uh, volta architecture die um, that allows them to do what do they say 12x improvement over pascal when you specifically target uh deep learning it's like a matrix math that it has to do. Yes, right? and it is like it's a three-dimensional matrix math, and yeah. he, he they described it very quickly in a in a way that would make probably make a lot of computer scientists angry about how you could just plow through them. I don't, can you remember exactly what the, well, basically the verbiage just doing, was? Just doing matrix math on a three D matrix, but you're doing it massively in parallel, so that the whole matrix is calculated at the same time. I would imagine and not quite the same time. Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah. I forget the. Exact. I forget how he worded it. I mean, it's just it's whatever it is. It is doing matrix math and accelerating yeah. it in a, in a different manner. It is very specific to this type of algorithm. Twelve times faster than Pascal, supposedly, yeah. right? Yeah, twelve times faster than what Pascal could do it on GPU cores, on CUDA yeah. cores. Yeah, not on because Pascal didn't have any any tensor cores. Um, so that, that's kind of interesting. Um, that's also something that you would not expect to see in the consumer variant of this part. Right, so you talk about if you're talking about shrinking die size, I have no idea how much space 640 tensor cores take up, how much memory they require. Are they sharing memory with the GPU? Can you run these? Can you run tensor cores and CUDA cores at the same time? Yes, no. A lot of questions that I don't really know about it. Um, but it was interesting to see them move to that. So GV100, the GPU, this implementation of it at least offers one and a half x performance uh, of FP32 compared to their previous tesla gp100 part um and like i said impressive stuff like 21.1 billion transistors in a ginormous ginormous die size ken was pointing out earlier and i feel like this is worth bringing up that 
one month after the GP100 announcement, NVIDIA launched the GTX 1080. They announced the 1080. Announced the 1080. Because it wasn't a simultaneous. Yeah. So one month after GP100, they announced 1080. You can switch camera shots now. The, uh, uh, but I don't foresee that being that quick of a, of a release in this iteration. Um, especially if they're building this on 12 nanometer, but then Ken also found Ken was Ken's like the, uh, the researcher. Yeah. Well, all right, whatever. Uh, he he also found like a rumor that TSMC was kind of fudging the good like fudging the numbers a little bit and their move from sixteen down to twelve that maybe it was the same process tech so it's not a very big jump for Nvidia to easily move their part to twelve nanometer even though it sounds like a fancy new uh, process technology so I there's a lot of stuff in there I would be shocked if Nvidia announced Volta based consumer products within a month that'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, considering how recently the 1080 Ti was launched, Titan XP, yeah. the fact that they don't have any competition <laughs> in this market. Well, as, as a side, like... That would be a nice one-two punch to your competition. Yeah, I mean, probably, probably. A side note, like, Alex was organizing the shelving here, and we went from one G- two GPU shelves, like, with buckets full of GPUs, essentially, mm-hmm. down to one. And I asked Alex, I said... This one's all NVIDIA. Like, where'd you put the AMD GPUs? We used to have one NVIDIA, one AMD. He's like, well, I only took stuff that was, like, released in the last two years. And so there was, like, RX 480s. <laughs> Very small a 470, file. <laughs> a 460, and then maybe, like, the 580 and the 570. And then, you know, we've got 1080s, 1080Ti's, 1070s, 1066 gigs, 3 gigs, 1050 Ti, 1050s. Next. Tight Like, a whole bunch of stuff from NVIDIA here. And it kind of puts... It kind of visualized in my mind, like, these are all the parts NVIDIA has released recently, uh-huh. and these are all the ones AMD has. So they, you know, obviously they're rolling forward. They need to roll forward. Uh, and, and I think because of that, NVIDIA doesn't really feel the need to push push beyond that in the uh, immediate. So, Ryan, before we move on, mm-hmm. what do you think, speculation-wise, do you think they're going to try to release HBM2 for the consumer video part, or you think they're going to stick with some kind of GD? dr5 or 6 variant i don't that's a good question again i i I don't know um i kind of assume not i i would assume at this point not as well um unless unless vega comes out from amd and the hbm2 memory that they will have on at least the higher end excuse of that for the consumer really shine in a particular way that Higher clock GDDR5X or uh, GDDR6 that was shown at GTC can't closely approximate at significantly lower costs and, and uh, uh, significantly lower like complications of development. Um, I, Fury didn't prove that HBM was necessary at all, uh, and Vega has to prove that HBM2 is necessary Otherwise, it's just a neat feature for tech geeks like us to talk about and how different it is, and you've got the sub, and you know, and, and, and how it interconnects, and yeah, and you got this interposer, and you're doing all these cool things. Uh, but at the, end of, at the end of the day, if it doesn't make the games go faster, and it just costs you money and yield and time and design effort, it could be a fun way to uh, keep the HBM2 supplies out of 
AMD's hands potentially. Yeah, but I think they'd rather do that and sell ten thousand dollar GPUs. Sure, as but the Tesla yeah, V100. they're only going to sell so many Tesla V one hundred, so that limits the amount yeah. of stock they could have sitting there of memory. Well, I think just buy it. By early next year, is going to be a lot more common in terms of hey, they've been producing it. We've got some stocks, but I would yeah. only see that in in a product that is five hundred bucks and above. I, I would agree with that completely. Yeah, and even AMD has said that that like not all of our parts are going to be HBM, uh, and I would assume not even all of their Vega parts are going to be HBM. We'll uh, just have to see. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. How many Vega yeah. parts do you think they'll have? I, more than one, two? I hope. No, nah, I mean, think of how much room they have to cover between two fifty and a hundred thousand dollars, right? Or realistically, six or seven hundred <laughs> bucks, right? It all depends on where their performance comes down, but I don't know. Uh, before we get into the next story where Joss tells us about how much money NVIDIA made as well, I want to thank money. Quest for Glory, who pledged $20. That's what? nice. That is a wow, hell of a pledge. Thank, thank you, Quest for Glory. Thank you very much. All right, Josh. Um, NVIDIA yeah. has made a habit recently of making a lot of money. Did that continue yeah. this quarter? That has. Uh, Q4 of 2017, which they call Q1 2018. Yeah, no, no, no. Q4 2016, which is the calendar date, and Q4 2017, which is their reporting date, they had $2.1 billion. And usually there's a pretty good drop-off um, in revenue going from Q4 to Q1 because yes. it's the end of the holiday season. Um, people aren't spending any money. It's not as bad as Q2, but it's not a whole lot better. Because you do get some overflow with after Christmas sales, crap like that. Yeah. Uh, turns out they made like $1.93 billion. And let us compare and contrast that to AMD, who had a pretty good quarter for them at around $973 million. And considering so they have a CPU and a GPU business. They, they do, oddly enough, have a CPU and GPU business. So you would think that, that they would be doing a little bit better but however they're not now uh gpu is still their prime mover i think it was about a billion dollars in revenue for just gaming desktop uh, mobile gpus uh the next one up was kind of surprising i mean it wasn't their professional which did pretty well it was the data center two years ago they were making zero dollars essentially on data center stuff now they're making four hundred million a quarter <laughs> in data center, and it's up like hundred and thirty million from last quarter. Yeah, so we can mm-hmm. see where they're going with this. Automotive has also increased pretty dramatically. It's it's you know they they took the failing Tegra product out of cell phones and tablets. Mm-hmm. They said you know this isn't working. Where can we apply this technology? They built the hey, shield handheld. Well, they've got the shield. And <laughs> they've been supporting it, but it's it's been kind of a toy for them. It doesn't make them a whole lot of money. It's neat mm-hmm. stuff, but uh, you know that's the consumer facing side. But their automotive now is, I think, uh, last quarter was 140 million in sales, which is significant, especially considering how poorly Tegra has done throughout the years since it was introduced in like 2007 or 2008, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. So, uh, sorry, I was just going to comment that uh, the excuse me, as this giant truck drives by. Holy moly! Um, 
during so during the uh, keynote today, they announced that Toyota was going to use the Drive PX uh, platform, which is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they also he also talked about uh, like in terms of machine learning, which probably falls under the um, the server class products, right? Uh, that they were going, they announced they were going to teach. What was the number now? A million, a thousand, a hundred thousand people. They were going to teach. Yeah, they were going to educate a hundred thousand people on machine learning. And it seems like kind of like this crazy investment in time and resources and, and product. Uh, but you look back to their investment they made with CUDA and GPU compute uh, essentially a decade ago. And how crazy it was at the time, but they basically created that market, and now they are the overwhelming dominator in that field. And AMD, you know, they've 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 announced their Instinct brand, and they're trying to get into this market. Uh, but it's going to be another uphill battle for them because Nvidia has invested so much into seeding all the right people with products, seeding all the right software companies with product and education uh, that they they inherently. It, think of NVIDIA, CUDA as this is my server GPU compute. And I think they're trying to yeah, do I mean, the same how thing. Many, how many millions of dollars have they given to universities to yeah. seed out these CUDA concepts and, and, and programs? It's kind of impressive. Yep. Agreed. Everybody knows CUDA if you go to school. Uh, they made something like $507 million in net revenue. So That's they right. have money in the bank. Word? Um Unlike you know, AMD has something like uh, they dropped down to like nine hundred fifty million um, in 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 cash on hand, and uh, Nvidia still okay. Around I take that six billion, and they oh. dropped because they they bought back a bunch of shares, and they they uh, uh, what's it called when you give your shareholders back uh, back money? Uh, dividends. D, the D dividends. It's a dividend. Yeah, and so uh, you know they don't have any huge lawsuits going on right now. So you know they're, they're is not the uh, is the is the payoff PC perspective line item on this table? It is. It is not. It's <laughs> hidden under sorted. It's odd. And don't bring it up. The it's odd. It shows up as down a hundred thousand percent, as in nothing. They never. They didn't pay they us anything did. again. Mm. It's weird. Yeah, uh, their margins are one of these days. Like, I I just always assume. Being called Nvidia shows in the comments enough times, and Nvidia would like catch on and be like, "Oh, we've been forgetting to pay these guys yeah. this whole time." <laughs> That'd be real nice. We made five hundred seventy million dollars. Let's throw Josh and Ryan a cool mill each. It's fine. Yeah, right. Still, still still fraction of a percent. That still that didn't is. happen. Still didn't happen. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Any other comments on the on the financials? I had one person question on Twitter if the uh, Q1 2018 results are an accurate representation of of what this is, and I said yes. Nvidia just has funny reporting numbers. Yes. Where's, yes. No. Uh, I, I think the market can handle what they're doing, and they will continue to grow throughout the yeah. year. There was a lot of um, question about that, you know, just like a month or two ago. Remember, their stock yeah. hit like 130, and then it went down to like 107 because people were like, "Oh, they can't sustain this." And then, yeah, maybe they. Yeah. No. Here and uh, you know, we in Cambridge. We had uh, a little question with each other and some other people, and if you remember back in 2005, 2006, when. I don't. AMD was actively shopping for a GPU manufacturer. <laughs> oh, yes. They approached NVIDIA, and NVIDIA said, we'll do it, but Jensen is going to be CEO. And Hector Ruiz at the time, who was the big wig at AMD, yep. he said no. And just think of yeah. what AMD would Different be like worlds. now. Yeah, that, that's, it would, that's would a be different world. 
that's that's an interesting rabbit hole to dive down. What if AMD had bought Nvidia and Jensen had been in charge of that company? And what? Yeah, because it, Hector was awful. <laughs> no, he was. No, he was. Yeah. He, yeah. I think the question is more like, what would Nvidia be like with an X86 license? Yeah, you got to wonder. I mean, if, that's that's what that would turn I into. I mean, I mean, you can never know for sure. You can, you can't say, oh, AMD would be so much greater as a company because maybe you know, Nvidia would have been less. Uh, motivated. motivated to build CUDA, to do GPU compute, to have to compete against processing platforms in that way, and they wouldn't have well, created the platforms. they competing against they ATI. No, they, they wouldn't be competing uh, against ATI. They would be competing directly with Intel. Yep. Yeah. And, and only Intel, probably. You think, yeah. you, think, you think that Jensen is an aggressive <laughs> dude. He's, yes, he's he a is. super aggressive guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, going up against them, he would have pulled no punches and i think that um yeah amd would have been better off uh, getting him in there but where we're at lisa is is doing a pretty good job and yeah recreating the company but yeah what a world that would have been very interesting we, we all cpus would be much cheaper right now oh, they there would have been crazy competition well i don't think you would have seen amd fall off on the CPU side, probably. Yeah. yeah. But well, you probably also would have had a competitive GPU from Intel as well. I mean, Intel's Intel would have tried to go after him like a shark, you know. Probably. Yeah. We we didn't talk about the Nintendo Switch and all of this. That's true. That's a lot of units of Tegra. Yeah, over two million units. I mean, I, mean, I assume that's a licensing agreement, not a production agreement. But I I don't know what the difference is monetarily. Like, if you compare the Shield 2017 SOC die in the product to the Nintendo Switch, it's the exact same. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they're coming off the same line and NVIDIA is selling the chip instead of licensing this time. Because they've yeah. been screwed over on game console licensing before. Yeah, it's true. I don't, I don't know. know. Mm. NVIDIA seems to be doing pretty fine, I guess. The, the, yeah, I guess the one, the one bad spot... Mm-hmm. in this is that this is the last quarter they're going to be getting that sweet sweet intel lucre mm-hmm. true from the cross licensing so that's like 43 million a quarter that they're going to lose which is not insignificant right but we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. uh let's run through some other news items here dell a dell executive uh richard wah who is the vice president of consumer product marketing um, apparently believes that there is a lot of growth in gaming PCs. This is so weird. It's so interesting to have these corporations like Intel and Dell come around to this 24, 36 months late uh, to the game where uh, Dell now believes that there is a five-year growth head for gaming PCs. Just five years. At the end of five years, it'll be over. E- esports, uh, virtual reality are the main growth drivers uh, for gaming PCs, Wa said, adding gaming is becoming uh, adding gaming is becoming esports. This is a global trend. Continual gaming content updates push hardware and developers to upgrade the specifications of gaming PCs. The number of esports fans will increase to 145 million in 2017. I don't, I don't know. I agree with his overall premise. I'm not sure that his micro analysis of how that growth occurs is super <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Uh, like VR and esports is not what I would have picked. How about VR esports? Well, <gasps> oh no, that will be a thing. That'll be a thing. Oh we yeah, have to watch people just sort of waving around and 
Well, they'll 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 give you the view from They'll give you the view from inside yes. the VR, so you can actually vomit while watching the esports. Oh yeah, like, you no, know, they'll be streaming Oculus content over, so you can be with them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly, I I'm not a big fan of esports. It is big and it's growing. Well, it's it just, is, Jeremy. I was I was actually channel, talking about that with my wife this tonight, and they, the whole esports thing. I don't get it either. She doesn't get it. We're both about forty something. My daughter. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm nice just try. kind of framing this. Um, you know. So I'm, I'm a Gen X, as Kyle and Ryan. Well, maybe not Ryan. But, oh no. But I, my daughter's, <laughs> no, my daughter's Ryan about nineteen. She's a millennial. That the esports stuff is squarely in the millennial camp. They get it. They like it. I don't get it. I don't want to watch some they guy to watch play it. video games. You know. Maury, you go to QuakeCon every year off. and watch Quake tournaments at the final. No, 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 I don't. I drink at the final party. I don't watch. But you're still at an esports event. I, I am definitely of, the, of one of the people that I enjoy. I will watch other people play video games. Yeah. If only because I don't have enough time to play the video games I want to play. And so, as like watch somebody that's actually good at it. It's well, no, it's not even somebody's good at it. It's just like I can experience the game through them as that's they true. experience the game, right? So while it's like doing something else. Well, doing something else, correct? Well, whether it be with my daughter or here writing an article exactly. or doing testing or something like that, like it's background noise. It's like it's like baseball to me. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a background sport. You just put it on, and there's noise, and every once in a while, the crowd cheers, and you go look, and you say, "Oh, I'm now I'm experiencing baseball." Um, you can do that well, in the stands the or at home. It's the same child. way. Yeah. You're the yeah. father of a young child, so you get to do everything vicariously now. <laughs> Forever for the rest of my life. Watch other people do things. Well, no, once, once she's in her later teens and more independent, yeah, you'll be able to get a second job so you can pay for college or university. Um, the next story we got is about the Ryzen 7 uh, 1700X, which I believe, as I go check, is no longer selling for the sale price, of course. Uh, but it was selling for this Ryzen 7 1700X was selling for $333. Uh, so if I go back here, um, which is 60 bucks less than it was launched at on March 2nd, I believe it was, uh, which is pretty compelling. Again, it's an eight core, 16 thread part. It runs at up to, what is it, 3.8 gigahertz, I believe, is its. Max turbo clock, a little bit narrower than the 1800X, but but still pretty high. Um, and, you know, I took it upon myself to kind of like, oh, what happens if you build a system around this? Again, you can get, you know, rather than kind of focus on the memory and graphics card and storage and stuff like that, if you just think that at that price, 333 for the processor, you can get a B350 motherboard for 99 bucks. 16 gigs of memory uh, running at DDR4 3000 because memory speed is more important for the Ryzen parts for 118 bucks. Mm-hmm. For $550, you get the heart of a, of a brand new gaming PC or any PC, workstation PC, uh, you know, productivity machine, eight core, 16 threads, and then you put whatever GPU you can afford in there, case, power supply, et cetera. Uh, and for an eight core system, that's pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure you can't buy an Intel eight core processor for $500. Uh, no. you might no, the six buy core him. was four thirty nine. We checked today, right? Yeah, yeah, right. The sixty eight hundred K. Probably so buy an 69... old used Eon off eBay for five hundred bucks. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Wow. Oh man! Only Bitcoin for one day in its life. Yeah. Uh, so that that was pretty great. Um, it's now back up to three sixty now. So keep an eye out for it if you're if you're if you're concerned about the price. And the other thing I posted in this story is it was. 
purely out of like scientific interest, 3dcenter.org, which is a website that's been around for as long as I can remember, um, that I thought at one point, Josh, was like an AMD-centric website. I don't know if you can validate or invalidate that stance. No, I, I don't remember it. Okay. <clears throat> um, they, they do these surveys a couple, three weeks after a product launch, and they say, did you think it was a positive launch, uh, uh, an average, or a negative launch? And the Ryzen 5 one came out as like 83.9% positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ryzen 7 was like 74. And it was kind of indicated that, hey, the Ryzen 5 is a little bit better received than Ryzen 7. Uh, but if you look back at some of their results, like the um, AMD Bulldozer launch only had a 6.8% favorable oh. rating on its launch wow. in 2011. Sounds about right. And uh, I understand, but wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, and then I think... The last part that had as good a launch as this, based on their results, goes back to Sandy Bridge in 2011, where it was like in the upper 70s of, uh, of a favorable launch. Th- th- these metrics mean literally nothing in terms of success of a platform or sure. financial viability of a platform. But it's interesting to see somebody who's collected this data since 2011, essentially, uh, come back and say, like, here's how these launches compared. AMD would really, really, really like if that 83% approval rating meant that 83% of the people that took the survey would buy a Ryzen 5 processor, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, that won't be the case, but it, it's it's good news for them all around. That they're, they're at least gaining mind share. Market share may be a slower a slower burn yeah. than that, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, what else we have here? Ken took a quick look at some lighty-up memory. Josh, that how memory, much RGB memory do you need in your life? That memory was lit. Lit, I, I need uh, no. You need no RGB need memory? Something. I have no RGB memory. But you know what? Do you remember some of the first LED memory? Uh, I do. Corsair. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the first memory with illumination at all. Yeah, and then it would actually uh, go from green to red depending on how much use the uh, mm-hmm. memory got. And, and they then had, they had that add-on. Yeah, like that had like a, a, a what do you call like the sound it, meter? It was an LED um display you could do yeah. to program to do all kinds of crap. you could have it put like text scroll across it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. E- equals 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 equals. <laughs> e to D Josh is what I had in mind. Scroll through all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh we're much more sophisticated than that now, Josh. Now we have RGB memory. Uh which so this is what it looks like. It looks like memory. It doesn't look um distasteful to the eye mm-hmm. right yeah, like it, it, it's pretty high quality it's a fully metal heat spreader it's matte black kind of stealth looking like yeah. it, it feels nice mm-hmm. for being a premium product at least as opposed to some of the plastic stuff now the key is is that you can make it do this Ooh. right you can make it do so much it's more. got a corsair logo in the middle now that part comes off right there this is this is an interesting shot so there's like a shroud over top of this clear light bar light bar thing. that has individual LEDs in it to kind of um, blur it so that it looks like yeah, a single diffused. illumination point. Yeah. So you can choose if you want it to be a single light or like, I guess, two lights or if you want it to be broken up into this kind of sawtooth pattern of illumination. Um, it's all controlled through software. Was the software pretty easy to use and straightforward? Yeah, the, the dialogue that was showing on the stream is kind of the only option you get. You can change it between all four dims, or you can link any set 
any set of dims that you want. So you can, in how, how, our case, how, I linked two to be green and two to be blue just for the simple sort of pattern. So I didn't have to change each individual module. Right. Do you have to plug hey. something into it or does it somehow communicate it's, over the memory bus? It's through the memory bus. As far as we can figure out, it's using some extension of the Intel management engine because they list the management engine driver on the support page for the memory. And it doesn't work on all platforms right now. Like, it doesn't work on Ryzen, which is disappointing. They've said that's coming, but no real timeline. Yeah, so some other RGB memory we've seen out there uh, actually has a four-pin connector that then connects to... Like USB or something? No, like... Is it USB or is it to like an RGB it's header an RGB on header a board? Motherboard. Oh, like motherboards okay. that have those RGB headers, the ones Maury was talking about before, you connect your memory to it now. And they have a splitter in it. So if you have that, you can – it's not taking sure. up the whole thing. Yeah, that's the guile memory. The other one is uh, the G-Skill Triton Z, which also works. The, that way. Like now the, 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 no, like, it works like the Corsair. Oh, it does. The yeah. guile will um, – allow you to choose red green or blue without going into that yeah but you, you just also, plug a four pin into a four pin power header and there's yeah. a physical switch on the dim to switch between red yeah. green or blue yeah. which the is cable routing involved with that i mean that's essentially an led strip adhesive to a ram module yeah. <laughs> right this is actually communicating with the system yeah but the downside is it doesn't work with half of the system maybe right. not half but it like doesn't work with ryzen yep. and it didn't work with like the x299 x99 no, it works with x99 i had a separate problem with that motherboard it did as, okay okay in general now did a corsair uh, build in some arch to sync with asus's uh, aura or the gigabit proprietary led stuff i think it works i know it doesn't work with asus aura i think it works with the gigabyte and the msi one currently I don't know what the hmm. what the like. I would have really thought that they would have built out support for Aura, but that that could be something that's coming. I'm not entirely sure. Interesting, but it does support some of these applications. So you might want to check with Corsair about that with the current. There's about a thirty dollar price premium for this. Is yeah. that right? So if you if you look at other memory that is DDR4 3000, uh, sixteen gig. Then we found it at about 105, 110, or something like that. And this was yeah. like 140. Something like that. So, you, so you're paying a little bit more for it. But I mean, there's RGBs. I don't know what else well, it's, to it's, say. I mean, if, you already, if you're buying a modern, modern motherboard that has RGB LEDs, you're buying a modern GPU, that very well might. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a nice sort of extra Actually, thing. And if you have a windowed case. Yes, if you have a windowed case, <laughs> I, it's on our it's on our it's on our uh, Cabby Lake test bed right now, and I just think it it looks really it cool. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. like it, it it does. It's neat. Um, what does it do if you don't like if you don't have the software installed? Just nothing, or uh, it pulses between all of the available colors, not in sync. <laughs> oh yeah, because they're all, they're all yeah, they're not communicating it. with each other, yeah. so they get out of sync, and it looks just bad. That's funny. Oh. That's funny. Right. No. Now, Ken, I don't know if you experienced this, but I have some uh, 3K memory in my um, X99 system, my personal system. Uh, one thing to be careful of with 3K memory is that it's um, the what well, the SPD on it runs. It, it sometimes, like on my X99 board, it, it wouldn't do 100 times 30 uh, ratio. It actually wanted to run the uh, the base clock at 125. So in order to run a 100 megahertz speed bus, I had to downclock my 3,000 megahertz mm. memory down to 2,400. So 
Yeah, that just sucks. Kind of a word to the wise on that. Just yeah. to just check that. Hmm. Interesting. And mine is Corsair memory, so I, I would assume that this may do something similar. Hmm. All right, a couple of other quick stories before I get into those. We did get a new pledge of five dollars from Norberto. N o r b e r t o Norberto, which is just fun to say. So thank you, Norberto, for five dollars. We appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Um, all right. Ken bought new headphones uh-huh. and then wanted to use them on his computer. Uh-huh. So he bought a thing. Tiny, tiny little thing. Bought a tiny, tiny little thing. Uh, you, so your worry. headphones, we talked about this a few months ago. I think it's been now with Sebastian, mm-hmm. uh, where he tested out some, Qualcomm sent us some uh, Aptex headphones and an Aptex-enabled phone yeah, the lg g5 i think and, so, the, and the sennheiser momentum bluetooth headphones and he was using it to evaluate the audio quality of mm-hmm. aptex versus normal bluetooth yeah you happen to buy headphones that had aptex support yeah that you were using for your phone or whatever uh normally yeah. that you would do bluetooth um but then you wanted to use them on your pc and you wanted to be able to use the aptex like higher quality stuff right yeah so the headphones have a three and a half millimeter jack a regular headphone jack so i could plug them in that way but it seemed kind of defeatist to have these nice wireless headphones (laughs) and not be able to walk around the office i like that (laughs) just seemed kind of stupid so i was going to buy a bluetooth dong for the pc i have because it doesn't have built-in bluetooth which has turned out a lot of pcs do these days but do these days but so i went searching for bluetooth dongles and i went well i wonder if you can get aptex support on windows is that a thing is it only built into phones like it's that a thing so i did a i did an amazon search for aptex bluetooth usb and there i don't know there's this there are a bunch of results on there so naturally i bought the cheapest one i bought <laughs> these guys this. have been around forever the asio yeah oh, really brand okay. like, i yeah. bought this oh, yeah, sure. 13 dollar bluetooth adapter off amazon which is certainly isn't the cheapest bluetooth adapter you can buy you can buy like five dollar ones but i thought 13 was pretty good uh, and I decided to see if it would actually support Aptex with the proper software, and it did. See, so you have to install a CS uh, a driver from CSR, which is the company that created Aptex that now uh, Qualcomm, Qualcomm owns. Yeah. Um, that basically sits over top the Windows Bluetooth stack and enabled it. And did you? Did, and I think you can install that same driver if you just have a. a you know, a PC that came that has Bluetooth built in. I don't think that's the case. I think it has to be a certain Bluetooth chipset, like a specific Bluetooth chipset. Yeah, hmm. because because Aptex support is in hardware. Yeah, as well as software. Yes, yes, correct. You can't just mm-hmm. add Aptex. To now any. there may be certain Bluetooth chips that are like maybe approved or validated for it or something, yeah. but it's definitely not like a universal software only type thing. Um. So and it worked. Yeah. About it, like audio quality, you you are more particular about audio quality than I am. So you didn't like review it for audio quality, but was it pretty good? Because I know yeah. Sebastian did. Yeah, I've kind of only spent a little bit with it this week as I, I got the adapter in, and yeah, I mean it's been it's been perfectly fine. It sounds it sounds good. The range on this little USB adapter is actually pretty good. I've plugged into my monitor instead of my tower because the small little antenna gives me a little bit of range mm. increase there. Uh, one of the big things people in the reviews of this USB adapter notice is that when they're using normal USB with headphones on their computer, playing back videos and having that audio be out of sync yep. just because of the less efficient Bluetooth audio stack over A2DP. Mm-hmm. And with this, I mean, video is perfectly in sync, which is a lot of what I do, like watching YouTube videos while I'm doing other things and mm-hmm. listening to music at all. 
it all worked pretty much how I expected it to. I don't really have any sort of quality complaints. It sounds as good as the headphones do, at least. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I just, Does it do aptX like from iPhone or what's the deal? Uh, Does it just work with? Well, not this I, adapter, I, but iPhone like. doesn't support aptX. Their thing is AAC over Bluetooth, which oh. these headphones do support as well. And they okay. also support Sony LDAC, I think, is their yeah, proprietary yeah, yeah. sort of increased Bluetooth. Mm. Aptex is certainly one with the most support in the industry, just yeah. by the fact that it's Qualcomm. They don't kind of have a horse I think in the every, device race. Starting with the Snapdragon 835, every high-end Snapdragon going forward will support Aptex. Yeah, although... I think the, the there's, 600 is what There's about. currently, a, like... It isn't built into the default Android open source project ROM right now. Correct. Although I think with Android O that is changing. So going forward it will be. Mm. Yeah, it was just kind of an interesting project. I was wondering if I could do it. Couldn't find a whole lot of information, so I thought I'd go ahead and write it up. All right. Uh, All right, and our... um Actually, somebody's pointing out in the chat room. Sorry. CSR bought the company that invented Aptex. And then Qualcomm And then Qualcomm bought CSR. Uh, Speaking of Qualcomm, they did announce, as our final news story here, the Snapdragon 660 and 630 mobile platforms. We'll just touch on this real quick. This is uh, updates to the 653 and 626 parts. Um, These are, you know, these are mainstream processors but but they're they're adding some pretty impressive features to them the, they've added, so they've basically taken some of the features and specs that existed on the Snapdragon 82821 which is their flagship before this the 4835 launch and moved them down to the 600 series so the Snapdragon X12 modem for example uh, is now included in both the Snapdragon 660 and 630 that is capable of uh, what is it cat 12 and 13 so 600 megabits of downstream and 150 megabits upstream with carrier aggregations. Uh, you have uh, upgraded Spectra image uh, signal processor. The 660 is 20% faster on the CPU, 30% faster on the GPU. Those are pretty substantial changes uh, considering the um, pen for pen, power for power compatibility of these two chipsets. And then the 630, a little bit lower end. Um, did get a 30% boost in GPU spec, but nothing really on the CPU side. Um, but they did they did an interesting thing. So the the Cryo two sixty CPU architecture in the Snapdragon six sixty is a four plus four you know semi custom design that is probably Cortex A seventy three and Cortex A fifty three with some design changes. Probably, probably nobody wants to say yes or no, but that's probably what it is. Um, whereas the uh, six thirty is actually eight Cortex A fifty threes, but they have two quadrants of them or two two clusters of four. Uh, where one of them is is geared towards higher power consumption but higher performance at 2.2 gigahertz peak, whereas four of the exact same cores are kind of tweaked towards lower power uh, with peak uh, frequencies of 1.8 gigahertz. So it's an interesting way of doing like this big little, but again, Qualcomm doesn't really call it that, mashing of cores together um, to get the same goal, which is higher performance when you need it, lower uh, battery or lower power usage when you need it or, or can have it. Um, so we'll see these devices actually pretty quick. 660 will be shipping in devices this quarter, 630 next quarter, I believe. Um, so Qualcomm seems to think this is basically going to bring everything that existed as a Snapdragon 820, 821 device into much lower price points uh, across the board. So we'll see if that happens. And we'll know before the end of the year. So check that out if you guys want to see that story up on, on PCPro.com. 
So we do have our picks of the week to get to. And, of course, uh, not everybody has theirs in or anything very, very quickly. And I put mine in here. So mine um, is this little guy that I have been using for a few weeks now. This is the Samsung Chromebook Plus. This is a it's a Chromebook, as the name does tell you, which means it's not for everybody and it has very specific use cases. Uh, it is. Um, is that the one you did as the giveaway? Yes, this this exact one will be going out to the winner uh, who finally replied to the email uh, this week. Um, but this this is one we had in in London with us, and you can I mean it's it's thin, it's light, yeah. It has the screen is actually surprisingly good quality. The the it's keyboard fairly rigid. Yeah, the, the yeah. keyboard is um, when you look at it, it seems cheap, but it actually types really really nice. well. There's a lot yeah. of key throw mm-hmm. uh, to it. Um, but you know, Chromebooks have to have specific audiences. Like I think my mom would do just fine with a Chromebook. She mm-hmm. plays, you know, online based games. She does email and internet and boom, that's all. That's all she needs. This is, this is, this is on the higher end of price point for Chromebooks, uh, $419 as it's listed out on Amazon right here. Uh, but it is a convertible. So it converts into, you know, tablet mode or tent mode or whatever things people aren't allowed <laughs> to say because Lenovo doesn't let them use those terms. Does it retract the keys or what does it do? Um, I don't know if or it does. It just I don't think so. so. I think it's I think it's inset enough that that it doesn't. Yeah, the keys sit flush with the yeah with the, with the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also one of the ones that supports Android apps now. So if you okay. want to go through and and kind of and and start to mess with some of that stuff, so it can be really interesting. Some of the apps work really well. Some of the apps still have. You know, complications are not meant to, to be on devices like this or screens like this. Yeah. USB Type-C charging, uh, micro SD for expansion, uh, and a USB Type-C just for data. And, oh, this one, oops, sorry. This one also has the uh, stylus cool. as well. So it's an interesting, it's, it's probably the highest end Chromebook I have used thus far, with maybe the exception of the Asus uh, Chromebook Flip. Um, but a, a much higher quality build than I think most people think Chromebooks uh, would normally be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like a, like a well-built, well-built device. So, And it's not over a grand. Uh, it is not. Like some of the Chromebooks were. Uh, well, yes, originally, and that was kind of stupid. I agree. Uh, Josh, are you up next? Me? Uh, this yes. is so original. Oh, my gosh. We oh. <clears throat> What me? It's on sale. For three hundred and sixty-six bucks, Ryzen. I feel like, I feel like 7, we were talking about this before. Nah, probably not. It was three thirty-three oh, no. before, though. Oh. It was, but you know what? If you you didn't jump on it, it's still a nice thirty-eight dollars savings, almost thirty-nine dollars. As cool usual, if you manage to have a micro center in your area, you can take advantage of some deals. Currently, I think the price is like three sixty for the seventeen hundred decks. It's the same as Amazon right now, but they have a hundred dollar bundle deal. Where you can get like a Asus or an MSI B three fifty board and the processor, and it ends up being three hundred and sixty dollars, which is pretty good for both. Yes, for yeah. the processor and yeah, the motherboard. Because the motherboard's a hundred dollars, and you yeah. get a hundred dollars off oh. when you buy a motherboard with the processor. Yep. That's a pretty good deal as well. Yeah, I'd take that deal instead. Mm. Mm. Yeah, do that if you had a micro center. But I'm in Wyoming. <laughs> guess how many micro centers? Uh, guess how many escalators there are. Uh, there's two, one up and one down in Casper, <laughs> yes. Wyoming. Yep. <laughs> All right, thank you, Josh. Uh, who's next? 
Jeremy? Uh, apparently so. Uh, and this is for you up in Kanukistan. Uh It's a review that me. Uh, Lee did quite a while ago. It's, it's not a brand new power supply, but it got it under his choice, and it was fully deserved. So the EVGA Supernova 850G2 Gold Rated is... Uh, significantly discounted 165 bucks is not so bad hmm. plus you get an extra 10 bucks back and like uh, although we didn't seem to get mentioned here unlike some other websites i could name <laughs> i it, i also linked to uh lee's Ugh. review of it which got an editor's review or an editor's award it's a really solid power supply at 850 watts because you don't need a thousand, but if you're going to go SLI or Crossfire, 850 might be a solid choice. There you go. And even sitting at 75% load, 50% load, it's significantly more efficient than uh, the vast majority of them out there, which will get you your purchase price back in about 10, 15 years. <laughs> Great. Alan, Great. you got anything? I do. What do you got? Remember a CPU test app called Core Damage? No. no, no, no. It was like no. supposed to. It was like running Prime ninety five. It was like something to warm up your CPU and see if you were stable. Okay, that kind of thing. Well, the guy has a newer version of that. Uh, it's called Status Core. Okay. Uh, if you scroll down a little, you'll see what it looks like when it's running. But uh, works with Intel and Ryzen, and uh, supposedly somehow shows you like real time IPC and MIPS for each core uh, while they're loaded. Real time IPC. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how it's doing it, but it claims specifically claims Ryzen support. Um, so yeah, uh, might be something. I would be you know, surprised if this were incredibly accurate. I will say that like just the task of keeping track of how many instructions have passed mm-hmm. at the operating system extra level instructions are happening well it's yeah but it also is like yeah there are millions and millions and millions and millions of these occurring all of the time well sure but like if it's the keeping millions, track of that counter well is not I know, a i know not at a, least on it on the intel side at least it gives you speed very real time compared to like what you know anything else in windows is going to show you for your processor speed like it's definitely i yeah i'd have to i'd have know. to ask some people at intel about that because again especially with all of the recent changes to how cpu clock speeds are adjusted like yep. the operating system has no idea that things are occurring yeah i think this is doing some like other methods of asking than just asking the os okay I don't know. Worth looking at, though. Toying around with. And search. Status core. What's the URL? Danotech.com slash status core. Hey, Dano. Dano. Like D-A-N-O? Two N's. D-A-N-N-O tech? Danotech.com. All right. Sounds good. Do we have another one? Am I missing something? No? That's it? Maury. Uh, Maury, hey, Maury, Maury, what do you got? I have a GPU block for a 1080 Ti. So BitsPower just released a 1080 Ti block for the NVIDIA Founder Edition that comes with integrated RGB LEDs, which is yes. unique. You know, 
Yeah, most of the time, the, uh, the, uh, the 5mm and 3mm LEDs you can get are single color. They're not RGB. So this is really cool. comes with a backplate. It's acrylic with uh, nickel-plated copper for its plate. And it's only about 135 bucks US. So that's 135 is about what you'd pay normally for a block without the LEDs and without the backplate. So <laughs> this is a really good deal, and it's a really nice-looking block, too. And basically, cool. the, the, most of the Founders Edition cards, no matter what brand you buy, are somewhere in a reference. So this should fit a variety of Founders Edition 1080 TIs. If it's Founders Edition, it should fit, period. Because yeah, Founders be Edition, in case that it's using the reference PCB. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really nice block. I mean, Bitspower oh. makes really yeah. nice blocks. Them and EK are two of the better ones. So, Very cool. Are there, while we're doing water blocks, Mori, are there specific coolants to use nowadays that if you have plexi all over your water cooling system, you know it's not going to yeah. eat through it after, like, you know, a few years? Yeah, so the so the, the the rule is is you don't want to mix metals. Um, if if you're gonna you know if you're worried about coolants, you know, and not using anything, you don't want to mix metals. So you run all copper, no aluminum in there. Yeah, I'm not talking um, about eating, running, I'm not talking about eating the metal. I'm talking about uh right, weakening right, the plexi. No. Yeah, well that that's the thing is if you if you mix metals, you have to use some kind of uh, a corrosion inhibitor, sure. and that usually is what interacts with the plexi uh, um the best thing to, yeah the best thing the best thing to run is distilled water and some kind of uh antibacterial like i use uh something called pk nuke it's basically copper sulfite and you don't you put like a drop per liter of it in the distilled water yeah running distilled water you get the best results because water it's better than basically any other coolant on the market sure. you know or distilled water is yep. so um, that that would be the best thing to run still water cool. and some copper sulfate so well, cool. all right everybody that is going to be it for this episode thank you everybody for joining us i will quickly sum up and say go to pcper.com slash podcast so you can find all the links to the live stream the youtube videos the, sh- the show notes where you can link to all the stories we talked about and all the picks we had here at the end as well uh, we appreciate everybody who joins us in the live stream and also anybody who downloads or listen to us after the fact, we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Mara Tattleman. And I'm Alan Montano. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.